It is called the law of life. You will always set your mind on something, and what you set your mind on will be your victory or your defeat. Why? Because if a man thinks long enough about something, he will come to the stage that he cannot stop thinking about it. And if we're not careful with our thoughts, they will break into words at any time. Are you hearing me this morning? If we think about something long enough, we will come to the stage of our life to where we cannot stop thinking about it. This is why people go to counseling. This is why people go to different things. They honestly, most of them, don't go to get help. They go to talk about their problems. See, I counsel people all the time. I really don't like to counsel people. Is that okay? You know why? In counseling people, I'm dealing with weaknesses. In equipping people, I'm building strengths. And I would much rather build somebody's strengths. You know why? If you build your strength, the weakness will take care of itself. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. I am looking forward to today. We're wrapping up our series that we did on pursuing God. Throughout the course, I would encourage you, if you do not have this entire series if you will just take this one series and you will study it out, I promise you beyond a shadow of a doubt, your, your life will be revolutionized. This one series, every message of this series, I have taken you through Scripture step by step to show you. Thank you. This has been up there for about a little long. Uh step-by-step to help you to live the victorious life. And today is going to be no different. I'm ending the series with a message that I've titled In Pursuit of the Mind of Christ. It is not a difficult thing to obtain. The Bible says that we have the mind of Christ. At the end of this service, we're going to have a tremendous time of blessing as we baptize a dozen or more people for the glory of God. And so it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful wonderful time. Uh, As you are opening your notes, I do want to squash a rumor. Pastor Philemon, stand up and wave at everybody. Our new executive pastor is here. 
and I am not leaving. Did I hear a boo out there? Did I hear one? No, just kidding. We did not bring Pastor Philemon to replace me, but to augment me. We got to tag team the devil now. And that's, that's why we have Pastor Philemon here as our executive pastor. People say, well, Pastor, what is an executive pastor? He is the guy that runs the church. He's the guy that makes sure that everyone that's doing their job is doing their Oh, I'm so excited. And besides that, he becomes my closest confidant. He becomes a man that I spend time with, that we can talk to, that we can pray together, that we can walk through the things of God. This has been 25 years in the making. Pastor Philemon and I had met in 1990, 91, something like that. He was literally wet behind his ears. I've told people, People that know Pastor Philemon and Jane, I've told them I knew Pastor Philemon and Jane when they weren't Pastor Philemon and Jane, when they were just dating, and he was trying to convince her that he was the best thing since sliced bread. Well, I think he did it. But I tell you what, <laughs> you're like me. You know when you got, you got the best that you can get, right? Because the best that we can get only makes us look better. And we have tremendous wives, and I am so grateful. Pastor Jane and Philemon, stand up once again. Jane, would you stand up also and just wave at everybody? I am so excited with them being here and just the opportunity God's going to give us. In your notes quickly, we've got a long way to go, and, and then we're going to get a lot of people wet here at the end. And more than wet, we're going to dedicate them into the kingdom of God as they make a declaration to the world. There is a necessary and indivisible relationship. I'm talking about the mind of Christ this morning. And I really want you to listen to this because I'm going to go rather quickly. I have a lot of material in a short amount of time to take care of it. But I want you to listen to these first few statements that I'm about to make because these are revolutionary to the mindset of people. People think they just get up in the morning and they kind of go through life. That's not the way life works. Not if you're going to be an effective Christian. And the Statement is, really, there is nothing else. You either are an effective Christian or you're not. Listen to these words. There is a necessary and indivisible relationship between the life of thought, what you think and dwell on, and the life of action, what you do and act on. Thank you, Hensley. I'm going to come on. Let me say it again. And I want you to pay attention very much to this line. This is, the, this is what's going to set the tenor for the entire message. There's a necessary and indivisible relationship between the life of thought, the things you think about and the things you dwell on, and the life of action, the things you do and act on. The 23rd proverb says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. I left this in your notes purposely, and I want you to listen to it. The human mind, and I want you to underline these two words, will always. Is that in your notes? Did I leave that in your notes? Underline those words, will always. 
Put an exclamation point at the end. And I wish you had red markers. You could circle around it. The human mind will always set itself on something. It is what I call the law of life. This is what causes people to live their entire lives depressed or victorious. This is what causes people to see a stumbling block and look at it as a stepping stone. It is called the law of life. You will always set your mind on something, and what you set your mind on will be your victory or your defeat. Why? Because if a man thinks long enough about something, he will come to the stage that he cannot stop thinking about it. And if we're not careful with our thoughts, they will break into words at any time. Are you hearing me this morning? If we think about something long enough, we will come to the stage of our life to where we cannot stop thinking about it. This is why people go to counseling. This is why people go to different things. They honestly, most of them, don't go to get help. They go to talk about their problems. See, I counsel people all the time. I really don't like to counsel people. Is that okay? You know why? In counseling people, I'm dealing with weaknesses. In equipping people, I'm building strengths. And I would much rather build somebody's strengths. You know why? If you build your strength, the weakness will take care of itself. Second Corinthians 10 says, though I walk in the flesh, I do not war after the flesh. Read this line with me. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, come on, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Will you read that with me again? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God for the purpose of pulling down strongholds. Say, Pastor, it sounds simple. How do you do it? The very next phrase tells you how. Casting down arguments. Where are those arguments? Your thoughts. The things that are coming in your mind that are dancing around and that you're dwelling on, that you're thinking on. Casting down argument and every high thing. People say, Pastor, what is a high thing? A high thing is anything that stands in the place of God. Worry stands in the place of God. Worry is not the lack of faith. Worry is the absence of faith. And the Bible tells me that without faith, it is impossible to do anything. You can't please God. You can't live life. Casting down our argument and every high thing that does what? Exalts itself against what? Underline these two words, or th- four words. The knowledge of God. And then it tells you what to do. Bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now who's it going to do that's going to do this? Is God doing this? Who's it say to do it? This is why, look at me please. It is imperative to know more about Christ than you find on Sunday morning. 
I don't know about you, I probably have 10 or 15 Bibles in my house. I have different ones for different things. And then I have, I don't know, a 1,000 on my computer. I have different Bibles for different things. But I use them. Most of the time, the Church of Jesus Christ, the Bible is barely open Sunday to Sunday. And it needs to be opened every single day. Why? The only way we can cast down arguments is we have to know the argument. We have to know the response that we could bring it into captivity to obey God's word. Am I making sense so far? You say, Pastor, it can't be that simple. Folks, it is that simple. To develop the mind of Christ is as simple as at times you just do what's right because it is right. Let me take you to Hebrews 5. For though at this time you should be teachers, you should be mature, you should have grown. Paul's writing to all of us. Don't say, Pastor, you're preaching down to me. I'm preaching to me too, folks. I learned a long time ago when there's one finger out, there's three back. So I'm getting three times as much as you're getting. Think about it from my perspective. You guys get to hear this on Sunday morning. I'm putting it together for weeks at a time. So how many things God's getting a hold of me the whole time? Long before it ever comes across this pulpit, I have found myself on my knees repenting for areas that God's helping me grow in. Is it okay for a pastor to be honest? The time that you should be mature yourself, you still need people to teach you the very first principles, the oracles, the authority, the purposes of God. You have come to need milk. You can't handle solid food. For anyone who partakes in the milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. Second Timothy says he doesn't rightly divide. We'll get to that in a little while. He doesn't accurately understand the word of God is what the scripture is saying. Solid food belongs to those who are mature. And listen to this. You say, Pastor, I've been a Christian for 30 years. There's a thing you got to do. And I'm going to tell you right here in Scripture. You know, it's pretty cool. The Bible has every answer. It tells us how to mature. Ricky, isn't that pretty cool? Mike, isn't it? It tells you. Look, look what it says here. Maturity. How do I mature? Here's the next line. Underline it. By reason of use. You've actually applied God's word to your life. Even the parts you don't like. Can you say amen? By reason of use, our senses become exercised to what? Good and evil. Folks, it's not rocket science. It's real simple. The problem is, is we have to put the world aside and lift up Christ. Can somebody say amen? You see, it's imperative in your notes that Christians discipline their thought life to what is right and pure before God. Here's our text, Philippians chapter 4. Finally, brethren, Paul is writing to the church in Macedonia, Philippi, Philippi, Macedonia, and he's talking to these people. One of the greatest dedicated churches in all of the New Testament. I could take you for, you know, Thessalonica and Corinth and, and Philippi and, and uh, 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 Ephesus, all the different churches. I give you a breakdown historically of all of them. Philippi was one of the highly, 
highest recommended churches and highest commended, highest commended churches of all of Paul's churches. And he's writing to them and he's telling them, guys, this is how you continue to grow. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, that word noble can be also translated honest. Whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be anything praiseworthy, think on these things. Not a casual thought, but a meditation. What does that mean? A purposeful dedication of heart to focus on what's before you. Too many times we read God's word and it's, oh, that's nice. Oh, that's nice. We, we do no purposeful dedication. There is no meditation. But God tells us that his word needs to become life and breath inside of us. He said it's life and living to all who find it. Meditate on these things. And then listen to the audacity of Paul, the apostle. I call it audacity only because that's the way some would look at arrogance, audacity, whatever the case might be. Paul threw himself on the line. He said, guys, I'm not good enough just to teach this. I want to show it to you. Folks, if this pulpit doesn't resonate the same thing in my life, don't listen to a thing. Matter of fact, if my life isn't lining up with my preaching, get your butts out of the church and find one that the preacher does. Because the truth this morning is, I have to line up or nothing I say makes a difference. Is it okay for somebody to be that transparent? Look what Paul's words are. He said, what you've learned, received, heard, and saw in me do these things. I pray, my friends, that I can say those things. What you've learned, received, heard, and saw in me do. And look what he says. Underline these words. And the God of peace will be with you. Quickly this morning, and I really do mean quickly, because we got a, a lot of things that happened this morning. Well, I'm going to take as much time as I can. Set your minds. And ladies and gentlemen, I, I sat down and I prayed and I labored over this particular message, possibly even more than the other ones. Because this is going to transform your life if you'll grab a hold of it. Set your mind on the things that set Christ in your mind. We're talking about the pursuit of the mind of Christ. Literally what I'm talking about is ponder, meditate, calculate the effect God's word is having on your life and the effect it should be having on your life. In that, we will let these things, the consideration of these things guide two things, our thoughts, and even more important, our motives. What Paul is literally doing is telling us to be in charge of the thoughts that we allow into our minds. Now listen to this. Nobody in this room can control thoughts that enter but we can control them the moment they show up. Folks, true confession, I've been to church and had some of the vilest thoughts that I ever, I never thought I could think that thought. I got one amen, one half of the church should be saying amen. Where did that thought come from? The same place, most of them, hell. 
couldn't control. Where the, where the, but the minute I could cast down that thought, take authority over it. I can't control how it enters, but bless the Lamb of God, I can control how it exits. Don't worry, Pastor, I'll calm down. You see, it's the exit of that thought that's going to cause victory or defeat, the help or the hurt of ourselves and or others to whether we are a blessing or a cursing to the hearer. Paul tells us to control or to govern our thoughts, and in doing so, we will control the outward life as well. So this morning, I'm going to break down Paul's statements to the Philippian church, and I want you to ride with me. Folks, this is going to be an incredible ride. Put your seatbelts on. Keep your arms and hands inside. No telling what will happen if you lose control. What are the things that God has told us to set our mind on the mind of Christ? Look what he says here. Whatsoever things are, what's the first word? True. This is dealing specifically with anything and everything that is in accordance with the harmony and the truth of God's word. In John chapter 14, Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. Say that with me. I am the truth. I am the life. Folks, you can't have life without truth, and you can't get truth unless you get into the way of God. Many things have an illusion of truth. They have an illusion of happiness, an illusion of joy. But these type of things are only short-lived and never perform the happiness or the joy that they allude to. They can't supply it. This is why 2 Timothy tells us these words, be diligent. We talked about that a couple weeks ago in this series on the pursuit of God. It's a purposeful endeavor. It's a dedicated commitment. That's what diligence means says, be diligent to present yourself to God. Who's going to present you to God? Well, I go to Victorious Life, God. That's, that's who's presenting. Well, you know, it's Pastor Tim. I mean, he, me and him, we hang. Is that how you say it, Adam? We hang? I'm sorry, I can't get some of the lingo. I, that's why I don't hang around the kids too much, because I get around them, and they make me feel really old. I just, Pastor Philemon, he's young. Still not as good looking, but he's young. Okay. <laughs> you say, Pastor, why do you guys keep saying that? I'm trying to convince myself. This boy's good looking. <laughs> Be diligent to present yourself. And here's the key phrase. A workman that shouldn't be ashamed, but understands the word of truth. Accurately applies, dedicates, and lives. I have it in your notes, and I want you to underline it. Anything that does not line up with God's word is not truth, and you need to get rid of it immediately. Anything. Well, pastor, I could see where it could be God's truth. That's you and not God. See, God's not interested in preference. He's interested in performance. Whatsoever things are true. What's the second thing Paul says? Whatsoever things are honest or noble in the text we read. What's, what's it mean to be honest? Well, literally, this deals with reverence and respect. If we're not living God's word, it means we're not respecting or revering God's word. It means to be honorable. It means a worthiness. 
of situation concerning life and living. Folks, you know there's things that I get invited to, and I'll just say it like it is, they're not worthy of my presence. I'm not talking about church things. I'm talking about world things. And we've got to make that same decision. Why am I at some of these things that I have to be at? Now, sometimes we have to. We have to be the business function, but we don't have to be functioning like the business, do we? We have to go to certain things. We have to, what's a hobnob? Is that what the word is? Or is that an old word? What? Yeah, okay, it's old. I can relate. We, we've got to go do these things, but I don't have to be part of these things. I've shared the story, but when I was working at, at the bank, they used to have this little gathering and we were always called to different meetings, and we always had gatherings. And I'm thinking, man, I'm sitting at my desk, and, and this happened all the time. They were having this gathering, the manager, the employees, people. I'm thinking, oh, man, I, I didn't hear the announcement. So I walked over to the gathering, and the people stopped me and said, you don't want to be here. Well, said, is, this, is this a business gathering? He said, no, this is a gathering that you really don't want to be at. Do you know why they said that? Because they know that they weren't worthy for me to be at it. Because the conviction of God had already dealt with them. You say, well, that sounds kind of arrogant. Does it really? The Bible says that the world wasn't worthy of Jesus. But he came anyway. There's lots of things in our lives that the world isn't worthy of. Why are we lowering ourselves? Paul said, whatever things are honest, whatever things are noble, where everything's reverent, respectful. Why in the heck are we giving ourselves to it? I know this probably doesn't apply to this church, but I just thought I'd throw it in there anyway. It's just right there. Let's, let's go on here. This is one of the things that I think happens a lot of times. The Bible talks about foolish jesting. It talks about in Ephesians chapter 4. It says that we're not supposed to get into those conversations. If somebody's telling a dirty joke around you, get away from it. Don't even lower yourself. Be more worthy and don't even laugh at the thing. Well, pastor, they'll get offended. That's right. Not because you're too good, but because God in you is too good for you to give yourself to it. Am I making sense? See, I'm trying to help us. You say, pastor, how do I develop this mind of Christ? I'm giving you a breakdown outline. If you are with me today, say amen. Reverence, holy, you can't take things lightly. You, you're not, dignity and holiness cannot be found in flippancy or jesting. D.L. Moody said it this way, if I take care of my character, my reputation will take care of itself. Titus chapter 2 talks about the older men, talks about the more mature Christians. Listen to what it says. It says the older should be sober, reverent, temperate. It does not mean you're walking around like some old stuffed shirt. Now my shirt gets more stuffed as I gain weight. But that's not what it's talking about. You're not supposed to talk about holier than thou or given, but a soberness, a temperance, and a reverence is understanding that I am the representation of the King of kings and the Lord of lords in this world. And because they can see Christ in me, I stand sound in faith. Do you see the scripture? I'm trusting God, not feelings. And because of that, I can love in every situation and be patient in every situation. I left it in your notes. I believe I did. I hope I did. If I, uh, feelings and emotions, folks, they're guidelines. They're neither good. They're neither bad. They're just guides. If you're feeling bad about something, you need to check your feeler. Why am I feeling that way? 
If you're feeling good about something, check your feeler. What am I feeling that way? I was talking to my, my, my friend this morning, uh, Cease. He came in and he said, Pastor, I'm feeling good today. Praise the Lamb of God. There's times, times I come to church. Why am I here? I know that's just me, but sometimes. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest. Look at the next one. Whatsoever things are just. Let's just talk about living a right with God life. Operating. Literally, it's talking about the works and lifestyle that we daily expose in our lives. The example of being the man or woman of God right before God. These are the ones that capture the thoughts that face our lives and deal with them. Take true responsibility and not try to escape reality. Pastor, I, I can't deal with that. I just live in the midst of this. Jesus told the disciples in the what I call the Lord's Prayer. Uh, I know we look at our Father which art in heaven. We call that the Lord's Prayer. But that's actually the disciples' prayer. The Lord's Prayer we find uh, where Jesus was praying for the disciples. And he said, Father, I commend these to you. I don't ask you that you take them out of the world. I ask you that you protect them in the world. See, that was the Lord's prayer for you and I, for our lives, because he knows the junk that you and I are going to deal with. This is why the Bible says, don't just talk about your faith, live your faith. Look what it says in James 2. It says, faith by itself, if it doesn't have works, it's dead. has no value. Down the 24th verse, it says, you see, a man is justified, listen, by his works and not just his faith. There's a lot of people say, well, I'm just, I'm just a faith-filled person. How come I don't see a faith-filled life then? There's so many Christians that call themselves Christians. The problem is nobody else is calling them Christians. Why? Because their works aren't lining up with their declaration of faith. I'm going to get out of that one real quick. I'll get in trouble. Whatsoever things are pure is the next one. Just one last thought on that, the things that are just. We need to pay more attention to what we do and less worry about what we say. Why? Words are very cheap. Jesus said you can love me with your lips, but your life, your actions, that's what I'm watching. Am I making any sense this morning? Whatsoever things are pure, this is dealing intimately with our heart. I'm helping us to develop the mind of Christ. In our pursuit of God, we need to develop the mind of Christ. The intimacy of our heart is, 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 is paramount in our life before God. Here, what we're literally looking at, when God says whatsoever things are pure, he's not just talking about the thoughts. He's talking about the motives. He's talking about the intention of our life. Folks, there are so many times We've got to be careful with our body language, our looks, our gestures. Anything that suggests an, imp an improper, an impropriety, or possibly even an impurity. I have watched men. I have watched women. When a very attractive opposite sex walks by, you know, they have a little more cotton on than you can find in an aspirin bottle. You know what I'm talking about? 
not only do their eyes go like that, but they get lock eye. You've heard of lock jaw? This is lock eye. They still have their face going that way, but their eyes are broken that way. It's not a good thing. Because people watch. Now you say, well, Pastor, have you ever noticed a good-looking good, good girl? Yes, I'm married to one. And yes, I have noticed other good-looking girls. But there's different from notice and stare. Don't get quiet on me, girls. I'm talking about good-looking men too. See, whatsoever things are pure. You know what the Bible says in, in the book of Titus? To the impure, nothing is pure. Everything becomes corruptible. Motive, intent. Romans 12 tells us some very important words. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God. And here's that term, the same term we saw earlier, that you present your body a living sacrifice. When I was a young Christian, I always thought that was a perplexing statement, living sacrifice. What's What's he talking about? A sacrifice you put on an altar, usually it's dead. It's already been offered, and it's there on the altar. The Bible says we're a living sacrifice. What that means, when the fire gets a little hot, we can crawl off and go away. God says stay on the altar. Present your body a living sacrifice, holy. Say that with me, holy, acceptable. Say that with me, acceptable to God. And then I want you to underline this in your notes which is your reasonable act of worship. Say, Pastor, what does that mean? Look at Calvary, folks. He died for us. I think it's reasonable to live for him, don't you? Well, you don't understand the stuff I go to. No, you don't understand. Hell is hot and eternity is long. If we keep trying to live the excuses, we will spend eternity in the wrong place. your reasonable service. And then he tells us how to do it. Don't conform yourself to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is this good and acceptable, perfect will of God. We can set our minds in such a way that even good, even the good we think can become soiled if we're not watching our intentions. We see that with David and Bathsheba. We see that with Samson and Delilah, how they played games of indiscretion, if you will. 2 Corinthians 7 says, Therefore, having these precious promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of flesh, listen, and spirit, and perfect the holiness and fear of God. Whatever, whenever an impure thought comes into our mind, got to cast it down immediately. A motive, an intention. Thirdly, this morning, quickly, our pursuit is more than a mindset. We're developing the mind of Christ, but you will never develop the mind of Christ unless you develop a purpose of life. We continue Paul's thoughts, whatever things are lovely. Now, immediately we would sit back and we would think that we're dealing with sight and sound. Yet the issue is not sight and sound. It is rather in pleasing, being pleasing in God's sight with our own lives. 
The loveliness before God is when we're sharing, caring, giving, helping, doing the things that bring pleasure to our Father. This is the life that God looks at. This is the fruit of the Spirit that God looks at. Now, I want to give you a very interesting passage, and I want you to outline it and underline it. 2 Timothy 2.19, Nevertheless, the foundation of Christ sounds sure, stands sure. Having this seal, underline these words, the Lord knows who belong to him. He already knows who's this. You say, well, how does he know that? Everyone that names the name of Christ departs iniquity. We don't play the fence. We don't have one foot in the world, one foot out of the world. We're all in. We're dedicated to the cause and the call of Christ. Am I making any sense this morning? Paul says, whatsoever things are lovely. You see, a Christian should not be irritable or temperate, or, or, or excuse me, or uh, uh, in his temperament. He should not walk around. There is nothing worse to the cause of Christ, almost nothing, than a chafed, frowning, self-righteous, fault-finding Christian. And the world and the church is full of us. I thought I better throw myself into that too. Because all of us can lower ourselves from the worthiness of God to the unworthiness of worldly life. But the truth is, as God says, we need to be the example. We need to be that lovely thing that people see. Galatians 5 talks about the spirit of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, generous, self-control. Against such there is no law. Sadly, in this world we live, vengeance and retaliation are getting more of the heart of people than graciousness and love. When people feel violated or hurt in some way, they have this mindset, this mind developed that is very hard to unset. We have folks in here that set concrete for a living. They set different things in masonry for a living. They know they have a certain amount of time once they set, lay that, that, that foundation, that concrete, they have a certain amount of time to set the work. Once it sets up, it's done. They got to bring jackhammers in. They got to do something. They got to break the whole thing out sometimes if they allow it to set up. If you allow your mind to set up in bitterness, in retaliation, in vengeance, in irritation, these different things, it'll take a jackhammer of the Holy Ghost to come in, and we won't like what it feels like. Afterwards, it'll be wonderful. But right then, God says it's not going to feel good. This is why there's so many hurt people that their words are laced with cynicism and sarcasm. So many are filled with bitterness and resentment because they're literally looking for that eye for an eye. They preach, you don't understand what they did. I understand what he did, and that's what matters. This is why it is critical that our mindset needs to be constructive, or in the truest sense of the word, it'll become naturally destructive. Matthew 5 says, love your enemies. Bless those that curse you. Do good to those that hate you. Pray for those that despitefully use you and persecute you. 1 Corinthians 7. 
13 says, love suffers long and is kind. It does not envy. It does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It is not or easily provoked. It is, thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. God says, whatsoever things are lovely needs to be the expression of your life and mine. Paul says, whatever things have a good report. Once again, we think about immediately from the outside, what other people are saying. No, he's still talking about what our life specifically is saying. He's talking about your testimony. When you are walking in the community, when you're living in the community, are you a voice of good report? Oh, man, here, here, comes, here comes Scarlett. This is a lady that loves God. This is a lady that's tremendous. Oh, here, here, comes, here comes Ray and, and Jimmy. Men of esteem and character. Here comes Kelly, a woman. I don't like where she stands, but bless God, I know where she stands. Here comes, here, here comes uh, Patrick Smith. Oh, that guy, he's, he's going to that church. But I know things about Patrick. Yeah, every devil does. But God knows things about Patrick. And God looks at a mighty man. Am I making sense this morning? What is our life saying about ourselves? Because what our life is saying is what everybody else will ultimately say. Remember when they came back from going into the promised land, the 12 spies? Joshua, Caleb, and 10 others went into the promised land. 12 came back. 10 came back with a negative report. Two came back with a positive report. The negative destroyed the entire nation of Israel. Only Joshua and Caleb went into the promised land. Because they all believe the negative report. Be careful what report you are declaring and you are expressing and you are living. You will destroy lives. That's what the scripture, whatever is a good report, people won't believe what you say. They will believe the life you live. The last two weeks in this series, I text out of Second Peter, and I'm just going to go through down around the 14th verse where it says, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness love. For if you, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. And if you do these things, you will never fall. The last thing that Paul outlines here in this passage, he said, if there's any virtue and any praise. You know what Paul is saying? Literally, where do you have your mindset? Is it on the worthiness of God? Folks, you've heard me make this statement over the years. I used to go to movies with people, and I really don't hardly ever go to a movie with somebody because I'm a lousy person to go to the movie with. 
because I'm always looking for God. And a lot of times if I don't find God, I'll probably get up and leave the movie early. But I can find God any place. You know why? He's the only one. He's all I'm looking for. He's all I want to be like. That's all I want. I look for him everywhere. I want to be like him. If there's any virtue, if there's any praise. My wife and I went to a movie and she's always got to stop me. Because I'll be shouting praise the Lord in the movie house. I went to, you don't want to watch God's Not Dead with me. The movie house ain't going to be watching the movie. They're going to be watching the guy back there. <laughs> Boy, I got excited. When, just as soon as we get that movie, we're going to show it here in the church. And we're going to, you know, just have a great God's Not Dead movie time. But I tell you what, is there any virtue, any praise in the daily activity of your life? See, that's what God is telling us here. You want to develop the mind of Christ? You see, in pursuing God, we've got to develop the mind of Christ. And we have to determine what are the preferences. Is our mind set on the things that are worthy and bring glory to God? Or do we continually bring frustration to ourselves because they're set on everything else? Does our confession lift us up or tear us down? Does our confession lift somebody else up or tear them down? Do we think that the only way to build ourselves up is by tearing somebody else down? Are we easily encouraged or easily discouraged? Do we speak victory? Do we speak defeat? Do we speak hope? Do we speak pain? Are we a justifier or a condemner? Listen to what the Word of God says in Matthew 12. I left it in your notes, and I want you to outline this. I told you this message will transform your life if you allow it. Listen to what it says. For by your words, you will be justified. By your words, you will be condemned. Our words come from our thoughts. What are you doing with the thought life? Are we developing the mind of Christ? And I want you to look at me. Every man and woman in here has that ability. And you do it. You do it all the time. It's just you, like me, we allow the enemies sometimes to come in and overload our head. Anybody here besides me like that? I mean, there's sometimes, you know, that I, I got to call Pastor Philemon and say, Pastor Philemon, will you help me get saved? I need to get saved. Not really, but I feel that way sometimes. There's sometimes that, that, that I go through things and I just got this overload on top of me. And I'm thinking, God. And he just said, just lift your eyes a little higher. The promise will still overweigh the problem every single time. And see, that's, that's what I got to do. That's what I try to do. I develop the mind of Christ every single day in my life. And do you know why? Because I want to be able to say the things you've learned, the things you've received, the things you've heard, and the things you've seen in me. Do these things. I want to be the man that can say, follow me as I follow Christ. Not because I'm perfect because I know exactly where to look every single time. Look at what Paul said here. 
He says, you've learned things. You've watched my practices. You've watched my activities. He said, you've received things. You've seen the blessings of God in my life. You've seen the blessings of God through my life. He said, you've heard things. He said, my truth and my doctrine is simply a repeat of God's word. It's his truth. It's his doctrine. And he said, the things you've seen, you've watched my walk. You've seen the the work of the hand of God. Pastor Philemon, one of the blessings of heaven in him here, he and I have traveled all over Africa together, and he's seen the miracles that I've seen together. He's seen God use this preacher to lay hands on the crippled and completely set free. He's seen blind eyes open. He's seen deaf ears open. He's seen the miraculous. He's seen he and I as God was working through our lives together. Paul said the things you've learned, received, heard, and seen in me do. And if you will, the God of peace will be with you. And listen to this I left in your notes. It is not just that the peace of God will be with you, but the God of peace will always sufficiently lift you. We must set our minds on the things of God if we're going to ever have the mind that God wants us to have. Can I hear you say amen? Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.